I don't know uh, if any of you saw this news item in the last week. There was uh, this couple from Australia who uh, went viral. What did they go viral for? They planned this elaborate family vacation, 10 days. They were mashkia, going to beautiful sites and locations, staying wonderful places, filling, the, filling their day with wonderful activities. And they asked their children, or told their children, we're going on this vacation. And the kids said it sounded boring. So the parents took, they went on the vacation, and they took the modem with them. The house, the modem, it's this little box, spreads the Wi-Fi around the house. That was their internet access. They left the kids without internet access for the 10 days. And instead of taking their children to all these places, they took the modem. And they took pictures, beautiful landscapes of a modem in a beautiful field. Or the three of them, parents and the modem, smiling at all sorts of wonderful, beautiful locations. And people around the world have been liking and sharing this. Many of them, I'm sure, from their smartphones. But how did we get there? I remember back in 2001, right before I came to Eretz Yisrael, and back then this was the day, it going to sound a little bit ancient, there were these Nokia cell phones that had just snake on it. it was, and I remember hearing Rabbi Krohn speak. And he quoted a Rebbe, I believe from Torah Badas, named Rav Wolfson, who said, I have a shayla, a suffix, whether someone who has a cell phone can say, Shaloh Asani Avit. This is back in 2001, before there was a master in your pocket. And how did we get there? And that was thanks to our wonderful next speaker, <laughs> among others. Don't, don't put it all on him. But he is going to tell you how they make sure, the internet companies make sure that you keep using the internet. And what it does for you, and what it does to you, and what they can do and take advantage of while they have your attention. And it's important to give him your attention so that we know what we're dealing with. Without further ado, Noah Omri Levine, who for no other reason than him also being a recent Oleh, we should also uh, welcome him to our yeshiva. Welcome. Okay. Okay. Get ready for this. This is going to be fun. Um... So just before I, as I get started here, uh, one thing I, I is helpful to know because I wasn't going to go over my background. Um, but I grew up in Rochester, New York, in upstate New York, near Buffalo, and I went to public school. Um, I wasn't religious growing up, and I grew up with like anxiety and self-esteem issues. So it was an amazing thing to be able to hear the rabbi speak a second ago. Um, and one of the things he said stuck with me that really is. Uh, it's personal, I thought I'd share just before we get started. But when I was growing up in public school, it was very common for everybody to smoke pot, to smoke marijuana. And um, he, he just mentioned how to, to stay away from it because it's just as dangerous of a drug. And it was really interesting because I was a really weird kid. Like, I was super not popular and all that stuff, which is why I got into technology and now make money doing that. <laughs> um, but... But it was, it was interesting because that sort of ostracized me from a lot of the people that were smoking. So I decided to embrace being weird, which actually turned out when I got older that I was the normal one, and they were all crazy. So what's an incredible thing is that when you 
are in a situation, sometimes what seems normal is to be like everybody else. But all of a sudden you graduate from that situation, move on in life, and you realize that like really being successful, really being happy and healthy and getting all the things that you want in life requires you to look weird then so that you can be normal later. And it's an incredible thing. So embrace being normal. Um, okay. So with the Rishus of the Rebbeim here and uh, all the tzaddikim that learn here, um, it's really an honor to be here. And I'm hoping that I can entertain you a lot. Um, but I'm also hoping that this will stick with you. And my expertise is getting thoughts to stick in your brain. And I'm going to show you how I do it. And the amazing thing is that the more you fight it, the more it will work. And the more you don't want this to succeed, the more it will succeed. Because what we are in deal marketing, especially the experts um, in the world that I work in, we are engineers of your attention and minds. And we're really good at it. But, so why do we do this? Why is there so much money in this business? Like, what's, what's, if, if there's, We'll talk about how much money is in the business, but if there's so much money in the business, then there's got to be a power to the whole thing, right? It's because thoughts, this is all based on cognitive behavioral therapy. We use te- the, the, the science of psychology to apply it to marketing. It's incredibly effective because thoughts lead to feelings. Feelings lead to actions. If I can control your thoughts, right, then I can control your actions and get you to do whatever I want. And it's not just buying stuff. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, like the, the, the more you fight this and the more you hate me, the better this is going to work. So the best thing to do is be ambival- ambivalent to the whole thing. Good luck. Okay, so the real question, though, today is, is who are you? That's really what we have to ask. And we'll come to this a bunch of times throughout the, the presentation, but that's really what I want you thinking about. Um, so I was actually, I was in Harnov. Like, the Jewish people are unbelievable. And you know this because you're here, right? You're here. We just made Aliyah in August. It's unbelievable to be here. I could not be happier. I lived a life in a gigantic six-bedroom home in Atlanta. Now I live in a small dira in Beit Shemesh, and I'm so much happier. There's just so much about being here that's meaningful. I can't even explain it. I was in Harnoff with my family the other day, um, and I was, it was Friday night. We were davening um, for Shabbos, so I, I walked into the base medrash, and um, I... Some, I was like standing at a shender and somebody bumps into me. So I'm from Mark. I was like, what's your problem? And then I realized that he can't see. So that was extremely embarrassing. Um, so I sat behind him and, um, and he proceeded to take out a booklet that was an interpreter in Braille. And the thing that stuck with me was that somebody saw that there were people who... Like, Mamish might be putter from mitzvahs. Again, I'm not a rabbi. I don't know if that's the case or not. But he, he took time to learn how to daven out of a Braille sitter. And not only that, people got together and decided to make the Braille sitter in the first place. To allow somebody to connect with Hashem. Right? Like, that's unbelievable. Do you know how much effort must have gone into that? It, it just, it's amazing. I asked on, on the plane, on the way to Eretz Yisrael, I asked one of my children what the first thing they were going to do when they got off the plane was. I'm going to cry a bunch here, so sorry about that. I'm also a sensitive, evil person. Um, so, so she said, the first thing I'm going to do is run around in circles. Like, what? What's wrong with you? What did I teach you? Right? So, why? Why? I said, why? 
she said, because every step you take in Eretz Yisrael is a mitzvah. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. Um, that's my wife, it's not me. So, so it's just like the, the, the potential we have, the potential your children, your family, the, the people around you can have is unbelievable. Yeshua, Yeshaya, New Earth. Um, he was on the run from the Nazis in World War II. And um, uh, he, had, he had to hide in a, in a room. Um, I forget what community it was. But he had to hide in a very small with his entire family. And because they were on the run, he only had two things with him. Um, I mean, they, they, they did a lot of davening, a lot of tehillim. But the family had only two things with, with him in order for him to learn, which was painful for him. But Subis, and he had a Mishnah Baruch Gimel. And... For three years, for three years, they didn't even have a calendar. They just had two Sfarim. And so in that dark situation, did, did he give up? No. He learned Sfarim so well that today we have Shomer Shabbos Kehelchaso, which is like the preem, and I think all of you would be familiar, that that's, that's the work that most of us have at least referenced, if not are using, to, to keep Shabbos. It's an unbelievable thing. So that's what he did with his time. So we have no idea how great man can be. We have no idea. Because if we did, we'd do different things. All of us, including me. Each of you has an incredible, incredible potential. But we're here to discuss the single greatest threat to accomplishing our tafkid in this world, which is distraction. So, Rabbi Kagan, uh, anybody familiar with the choice to be? No? Oh, great book, great book. It won uh, a couple awards. Uh, I think it won the National Jewish uh, Philosophical Award for, for the book. But he describes in it how Paro consumed all of our time with physical labor to stop us from connecting to Hashem. And he quotes Masilis Um who describes how the Yitzhar uses the same tactic of consuming our mental capacity so we can't connect to Hashem. Right? It says, in truth, this is one of the cunning strategies of the evil inclination to relentlessly burden people's hearts with his service so as to leave them no room to reflect and consider what road they're taking. But then Rabbi Kagan says something very concerning. He talks about digital media today and how we are now opting into that challenge ourselves. We're choosing to take this on and bring it into our minds. And note that's from 2010. 2010 is before Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp took over our lives. They were around, some of them. And if you don't know, those are all the same company now, right? I hope, hope you all know that. Because if you're sharing your data with WhatsApp, the frummies are all like, you know, oh, I only have WhatsApp. I'm on Facebook. Well, guess what? Facebook is all like, I have all of your data. So, <laughs> so what's the problem, right? Is the problem pornography exposure on the internet? That's a serious problem. We just heard about that a little bit. It's not what I'm mostly concerned about. You can say bittel tor of the media, using all your time with the media. Like, cat, cat videos are amazing, right? They're so cute. But it's also a problem, but it's not what I'm... I'm mostly concerned about Bittel Atmo, us choosing to actively nullify our unique potential in the world. Right? That's what I worry about. That's what keeps me up at night, and if I have any guilt, it's because of that. So, how did this happen? Well, when the people built Facebook, Sean Parker, who you've probably all heard of, this is what he said. We were out to do one thing. How do we consume as much time as, and conscious attention as possible? He called it a social validation feedback loop, exactly the kind of thing a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. They knew this was the case. The whole point 
is that the commodity that we exploit in digital marketing is attention. That's we, we turn attention into money with advertising. That's the whole point. So you all like Gary Vee, yeah? He was one of the first marketers to make it big on YouTube with Wine TV, Wine Library TV. He's a marketing genius. He also happens to be a Jewish boy from Queens. He's worth over $160 million. So if you like money, he's got it. He wants to buy the Jets one day. He talks about it all the time. And he runs one of, the, one of the most popular digital agencies in the world. So here he is speaking to digital marketers like me and business people about buying advertising. So, we're going to, I'm going to put the microphone next to that just so you can hear him talk. But there are subtitles. Our digital marketers. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> okay. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to teach you how we do it. Okay? So you can all be digital marketers like me one day. That's what the Rebbies want. <laughs> so how do people work? Step one, this is called emotional intelligence. Gary would tell you, EQ is everybody got to learn about EQ, got to have EQ. Emotional intelligence. What's emotional intelligence? It starts with self-awareness. Self-awareness is awareness of our emotions and how they affect us and others. Understanding and finding humor in our shortcomings. When you know like where you're at. I'm standing in this room, I'm speaking in front of a bunch of people, you know, I hope they think I'm funny, right? Like if I have that self-awareness and honesty, humility to like I'm thirsty, I'm not actually thirsty, don't worry. Um, if you know where you're at, then you can do the next thing. What's the next thing? Self-regulation. Regulation, right? Increasing control over how we react to positive and negative stimuli. Improving ability to calm down after either. So if I know where I'm at, then I can decide where I want to be at. Do I want to be nervous right now? So if I don't know that I'm nervous, I can't possibly do anything about it. If I know that I'm nervous, I can start to potentially do something about it. And once somebody has self-regulation, the ability to calm themselves down or you know, work with their emotional states and their feelings, then they can motivate themselves to act. Then they can motivate themselves to channel those positive and negative emotions into a focused and productive energy. That leads to empathy, which leads to social skills. I'm not worried about the top two, you can learn about them on your own, but those bottom three are what we exploit as marketers. So no matter how much you know and how disconnected you are, we're all asleep to how bad the problem is. 
And in order to, be, to, to wake up, we have to break it down, right? So this is how people work. If what matters is you can't regulate yourself, you can't motivate yourself without self-awareness, then the place that we should start if we want to change what your feeling is and your action is, is self-awareness, right? Beautiful. So, what do we do? Well, why don't I hijack your self-awareness? If I hijack your self-awareness and build trust and then inject the thought in your head, that's going to influence your behavior. Yeah? Can you give people more time with self-awareness? Self-awareness is awareness of our emotions and how they affect us and others, understanding and or finding humor in our shortcomings. We'll talk about it in different forms, but it's just an idea of like, where am I at right now? Am I nervous? Am I uncomfortable? Am, am I self-conscious? Am I, do I have anxiety? How I feel right now, what's going on? It's also being honest about negative feelings I had. Like if somebody's in a, in a situation where they just got married and they're like, oh, this is, maybe this is the wrong person. Now, if they reject that thought, my wife works with college, with New Eds. Um, she has a podcast and uses this stuff because I talk about it too much. Um, so if a, if a person um, is, is, is rejecting that thought, then it's like her, her uh, teacher used to say, it was like a balloon in, or a big ball of air in water. If you try to reject the negative thought, then it comes back and hits you in the face. So you try to say, like, no, I'm really happy in this marriage, and I, I'm not questioning anything. So then you can't process the negativity, right? But if there's a negative thing, then you're like, I don't know if this is the right person, and you just let the thought pass by, so you'd be like, okay, I'm going to choose to keep being in the marriage because I want to be happy and married. Fine, move on. But if you try to fight the thought because it's a scary thought, then you're, you have a problem. So that's self-awareness. Does that make sense? Okay, beautiful. So, advertiser's job, hijack your awareness, build trust, inject the thought, influence your behavior, right? You ever wake up from a YouTube days? You don't watch YouTube in, in Yeshiva, so that's great. Um, but you don't even know how you got to the video you just watched, right? It's not an accident, that's by design. If, and I'll talk about it later in terms of how that works. It's unbelievable what YouTube has done to the world. Um, but if we're unaware of our emotions, it's virtually impossible to regulate them. We know that if we can control your thoughts, control your feelings, which, which, which regulate those actions, right? I'm going to keep saying that. So our buzz, business model is a function of attention. And that's not new. Advertising has always worked this way, but we've completely like, m- mechanized it to the point where it's, it's unbelievable. It's like a weapon now. Weaponized it. That's what I should have said. If it didn't, though. But I'm aware of that. Um, so we all know what lack of self-awareness looks like, right? You can't see these so well, but these are people who are staring at their phones and running into things. And that's somebody who thinks he blocked the goal, but then the ball goes right into the goal right afterwards when he's patting himself on the chest because he's so proud. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lack of self-awareness. So one of my mentors, um, I have no idea what time it is. Are you self-aware of that too? Um, so one of my mentors... Um, he, he once talked about what Tichiyas Amesim is, and this has always stuck with me. Um, in, uh, the idea is that what, what's in the world, so your neshama doesn't die, it goes on, and your body maybe you could say is die, dies, but according to science, right, like physicality continues to be recycled in the world, but time, time dies, right? The god of, or the, the king of kings, because the king of kings is time, and Hashem is beyond that. So, Tichiyas Amesim, he talked about, is not that we all come back to life, but that we all enter a plane that is 
a time plane. It's where Hashem's at, right? He, he doesn't have time. So if we get to a place where time is crunched into one experience, so then all of a sudden you experience every moment that's ever happened at once. So this is, I'm giving this over, not because you should believe anything I'm saying here, but more because this is a powerful thought. So this always stuck with me. This is where my Yerushimayim comes from, because he described that what's Gan Eden, what's Olam Haba, and what's Gehenim. It's all the same experience, because at all time, all the experiences, all the things that you did are now apparent of how everything worked together. So anything positive you put in, beautiful. Anything negative you put in, you now have to see that forever, right? As if it's happening right now. So, what does yours look like? What's yours like? Do you want it to look like this? Or, or like Fortnite, right? <laughs> like, is that the video you want to be watching in Shemayim? That's something that we, as marketers, don't care what yours looks like, right? But you should. You should. So, what a lot of these largest companies in the world, they're spending a lot of money to solve difficult problems around collecting, organizing, organizing and activating your data. Um, and you, you think you have... What we have to deal with now in terms of like stimuli is really bad, but you have, you have no idea what's coming. Like I'm mom-ish working on the next stuff. And it's like so much worse. Um, it's amazing. So we, we know this thing, right? Multitasking helps you get more done during the day. How many of you believe that? Yeah? Wrong. The truth is, and this is from Google, right? The truth is that you can take an average of 25 minutes to resume a task after being interrupted. That means that interrupting one task to work on another can make both jobs take longer to complete. It doesn't matter if you want to be a Talmud Chacham, have the best foul shot, right, or be a millionaire. This is a threat to every one of those dreams. If you want to be a Talmud Chacham, right, interruption to learning, what is uninterrupted learning? We all, we've read how important and amazing that can be. Also, if you want your follow shot, right? Like, do you know what 20 minutes of shooting hoops every day can do for your skills? Right? Whether it's basketball, learning Hebrew, doing something useful in the community that's right here in Alan Shrew. And for those of you that want to be millionaires, right? Performance of employees with high emotional intelligence, which starts with self-awareness, in managerial or senior roles was twice that of those lower on the spectrum. So when you give up that self-awareness and condition yourself as, as a young person to not having control of that, you will be less valuable to all of the people and the businesses they for. So no matter what, from, what you want from yourself and eventually what you want from your kids, because they're going to watch what you're doing. And I know my kids like already asked for technology. I, one of the reasons we moved to Eretz Israel was to like, disconnect. Because like, I don't want a home where my kids... Oh, my dad is so good at being on the internet. I want to be on the internet all the time. It's like terrible. So I, you know, it's just not, not my dream for them. I hope they do a lot more than that. So it's not a frummy conversation, right? It's not just for, for people. The digital world's highly aware of this, the non-Jewish world. Um, this is a book called Deep Work that, that was shared across my company. The company I work for um, is, is called Search Discovery in the United States. It's not a Jewish company. Um, but they, they, it's amazing the work that they're doing to try to take the people and, and kind of give us that self-awareness back. So this, this, lawyer, this lawyer, the author, his name is Cal Newport, and he discusses how in a world where jobs are disappearing due to automation, 
Focus is now the most valuable resource, right? The ability to focus and do deep work is now the most valuable thing in industry. And how technology is directly threatening the workforce of tomorrow by conditioning and addicting us to distraction today. Right? So talk about how bad this is. Right? So when we share stuff online, what do we share? We share like the best stuff. The stuff that looks great. We went on a vacation. These are all the amazing things we did. What is it actually like? Right? It's not real. So when you're, when you're connecting in, you're seeing all these amazing like, things that might motivate you, that the world could be so much better than what you have right now, that totally undermines your self-esteem. And the reality is not that. It's never like that. If you talk to any of the people that actually are posting those incredible pictures of their dinner for some reason, they, it's like, that's not what their life is about, right? But that's what you see in your feed, because it's, it's, it's uh, streamlined to show you the best of the best of the best. What does Google know about you? This is a map of everywhere I had been in September 2018 because I took my phone with me, right? So any of you that have a phone, that have any Google product on it, Google knows where you've been with that phone any point, any moment. It's, and it's really accurate. This is September 27, 2018. I went from my home shopping and to Legoland with my kids. And there are pictures of my kids inside the system. Right? And not only that, you can't see it? How, how do you have access to what they know? About? You have access to this. Look up Google location history on Google, and you can see it too. <laughs> I, I can't see it like your name, and I can't see your face necessarily, but I can see an, uh, if I aggregate all the people who went from this place to this place, right? And I want to advertise to them to tell them, hey, your commute's like 30 minutes longer than it needs to be. Why don't you live here instead? Which I did with the client. Um, <laughs> it's really powerrible. And, and so they'll be, uh, it's a bucket of all the 20,000 people that take that commute every day, right? Totally genius, right? It's a great, it's a great strategy. It works so well. This is Google's automated um, mapping of my entire family, family, right? Because every picture, I don't want to keep that on there because you're recording this and they're my kids. So every, every picture that you upload to Google for free, because now Google Photos has free storage, is amazing. I wonder why they did that. Um, so that, that is, is mapping out every face of every human being. It Momish can see my kids in the baby pictures that they have. I don't know which kid it is, they know. It's unbelievable. Google and MasterCard cut it, this is a long ago, 2018, April, August 30th. They, Google bought 70% of the credit card transactions that happen in the world from the credit card company, right? You block, like, whatever, your cookies and stuff on your phone, but guess who's selling that data back to your ISP? Like, in America, Verizon, whoever is, is, is giving the Internet to you, they still see everything that you're doing, and they can sell that to us, too, and try to read that agreement. On, on top of that, so Google pushes back and says, no, 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 we're not doing that, but then they get sued because they are doing it. Right? <laughs> so Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, he says, taken to its extreme, this process creates an enduring digital profile that lets companies know you better than you may know yourself. Because you forget yesterday, but I don't. You forget what you were searching for. You, you know it's incredible? Everybody thinks that like Alexa and these home devices are listening to people. I don't know if you're experiencing this in Israel. But everybody, yeah, like, they're like, they're like hey, I, I all of a sudden heard this ad, and it might, it's listening to me. So it's actually worse than that. 
It's not listening to you. What we do is we take all of the people in the world and we, and we take machine learning algorithms and we look at what they've done, right? And what's sad is that behavior on devices is not special or unique. You're doing a lot of the same things other people are doing. So if I know the last 10 things that you did are the same as the 1,000 other people in the world, then I can predict the next few things that you'll do because you're just like them. And all the more so, I'm actually motivated to make you do those next few things. So anything I can do to encourage you, it's like get, getting you on the train so that you can't get off because then the momentum's going too fast. It'll just streamline you right to that destination. Oh, it's amazing. It works so well. So, so like, that's what we've, we've done. We, we are here. We know you better than you know yourself. You cannot remember the information a computer. A computer doesn't forget. It doesn't make mistakes. It only does what the people who programmed it tell it to do. And the people know about it. The people who are behind these things don't let their kids on the devices, like me. You might think I'm doing that because I'm like super Haredi, which like maybe I am a little bit. But, but I don't let my kids on these devices, not because of religiosity. It is completely because it's not what is going to make the most, the most productive person that they can be to achieve their top kid. Right? Okay. There's, a, there's an actual job that's called an attention engineer. Um, they're out of them, and they're really good at it. It's a sophisticated operation, this whole thing, right? It's like nothing we've ever seen before. And the tactics that are in place are getting better by the second. If you're not completely tuned out now, the tactics are working on you right now as I'm giving away this information. And as long as I don't wake you up by losing your trust, you're tuned into my voice and the thoughts that I'm choosing to inject in your head. And what's really scary is the most likely thing to maintain your trust is if I agree and build on your preconceived notions. As long as I don't challenge what you believe, we're on the same side, I'm safe to listen to, even if I'm tilting you towards an extreme. And then, yeah, we said that before, but the scariest part is knowing that can make it worse. Right? It's like, don't think about purple elephants. Which, what are you going to think about? Purple elephants, because I just put that in your head. Good luck, forget that. I'll give you better thoughts later that I'll it'll be stuck with you forever. Um, so in 2018, Facebook spent over $7 billion on research and development. Facebook makes most of its money on advertising. Google doesn't include their money, right? So you'd think like, okay, if the world's going to put money towards something, it should like cure cancer, right? So how much money was spent on cancer in the same period of time? Well, the American Cancer Society spent $152 million, which is a factor of 46. Oops. So that's the, for those of you that like visuals, there's a chart there. It's a lot more. Okay. So let's talk about how this works. We talked about gambling before, right? So the psychology behind gambling is if I give you what's called a variable ratio schedule. Uh-oh, you kicked in. It's okay, I forgive you. Um, it's using basically uh, Dr. Skinner a long time ago. You can look it up on Wikipedia on your smartphone. Um, he, talks, he, he did a studies that showed that if you, if you give animals... Uh, random reward, then they're, then they're not only more likely to do an action, but they get obsessed with the action. So, we know that. So what did we build? Push notifications, tagging, likes, and stories. What do each of those things do, right? Push notifications are a way to, like, ping you. Like, hey, something just happened. Somebody tags you on a post, that's another way to ping you and get you to check in. 
to the push notification. Somebody likes something you posted. It gets you to post more stuff because you like when people like your stuff, right? That's like, why do you think we're building these things? Stories. What are stories? Well, it's not enough that we get you to post things so people will like it and then you get obsessed with that behavior because you don't know what's going to happen. Stories have urgency. You have 24 hours to watch this thing. And you can get a window into like celebrities' lives. You could see what Gary Vee's doing right now, but you're listening to me instead, right? Shouldn't you go check that out, right? What if like the Godolin had stories going on? We could watch what they're doing, right? What if you, you could watch what's happening? The IDF just got TikTok. They just announced that they have a TikTok account. So now you can watch what the IDF is doing all day long. You could do that. Why? What's better than that to do with your life? It's amazing. We should all do that right now. We should just stop this. So they're all created to do one thing. Get you to check in and keep your attention on the platform as long as possible. It's all about your attention. And the scary thing is that an algorithm completely lacks ethics whatsoever. It doesn't add or subtract from its inputs. If there was a person behind these decisions, nobody would do it. So what have we done? We built a machine to make these decisions because it doesn't have morality. If a machine is optimizing your attention, then it doesn't feel bad when it's addicting you to something. If a person was watching that happen, they could stop it. But the machine is doing it, so nobody wants to stop it. The current main objective of a publisher of a platform is to maximize time spent on the platform in order to maximize revenue. So, like, YouTube, for example, has one input, revenue, right? So what does it do? It figures out. You watch a video, I recommend a video that you should watch. So what's the recommendation going to be? Well, it's going to tilt you towards whatever's more exciting. So if, for example, well, one thing you should know is like 70% of the time spent on YouTube, which is like 180 million hours a week, I think I saw. It might be a day, something like that. Just an unbelievable amount of wasted time. Um, think about what we could do with that time. Like, what people are watching cat videos and Ben Shapiro fighting people. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's a good use of your time. You can ask your rabbi. So what's incredible, though, is like a, a, if a girl in 2018 searched for a dieting video, she would, within a video, be recommended a video about anorexia or some other form of dieting. They fixed that problem. It's like one of a billion of them. And what happens is you take an entire platform, which two billion people are on, like every day, and the thing that's going to make you spend more time is the more extreme idea. You look up a video about, like, stars, and you get Area 51. You look up a video about, like, politics, and you'll get one of the extremes. So you watch the populations of the world become more extreme. This is why it's happening. I don't care which side you're on. That, that This is going to force you one way or the other, because you're not going to... If somebody posts a video and then it says, like, a documentary on the history of the Senate... Like, you'd be like, no thanks, I'd rather choose Area 51. It sounds cooler. So, what, what, oh, I already said this part, so I'm going to keep going. Um, I, I want to put one thing in your head, is this image. Because every time you see somebody on your phone, you're not going to be able to get this out of your head. It's amazing. Isn't it great? There's an artist that took pictures of people with their phones and then has their, like, face sucking into the phone. It's amazing. So I'm going to leave that up there for a second while I tell you something else. Just so you can look at it. Don't look at it, and then you won't think about it. But then if you try not to look at it, then you'll think about it. So what are you going to do? Um, so it says in Shimona Esrei, because I want to get into your davening too, so 
forgive me for this later. Um, it says, Umakayim emunaso lishene afar, right? And who maintains his faith in those who are asleep in the dirt. What's more dirt than, than what we see on the internet, right? There's nothing more dirt than that. And what does it mean that he maintains his sleep? It's not what it originally meant, but I'm going to apply it to it. So every time you see that in your Shemona Ashray, which is in like the second big paragraph, right, just so you remember this, um, is that like Hashem is mamish waiting for you to wake up. He's all the time, he's mamish waiting for you to wake up, to get out of the device and do something with your life, right? And you can't do it as long as you're in that thing, unless you're in it for a purpose. But if you're, like, allow yourself to be sucked into these things and don't turn off your notifications and some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about, you're just asking for it. So I had somebody come up to me after I talked, and she said, um, she, I talked in the community, and she came up to me and she said, I dab in Shimon Esri, and I didn't think about you once. And I said, guess what? After Shimon Esri, you were really proud of yourself, so you did think about me, because that's the only thing that was in your head. So I hope you had Kabana during that Shimon Esri. Okay, so what have the platforms done for themselves, right? They've started, iOS has screen time. It's an incredible application. It tells you how much you're obsessed with your phone and how much you check it. Like, it's unbelievable what's in these things. Like, 109 times per day? Like, and that's a low number. There's, somebody did a, in a, in a from community, they surveyed uh, girls in seminary, and they found that they averaged over 10 hours a day on a device. What on earth? Like, do people not sleep? What is going on? I don't have time for that. It's my fault, though, so I guess, whatever. <laughs> so why, why are they doing this, though? Like, what, what's the point? The point is so that you'll buy the next model and stay on the device, right? So what can be done about this whole thing? How are we doing? Okay, still got time for questions in a second. So the Internet's like a car. Mass adoption of cars began in the 1890s, and the first modern-day road sign system was developed in 1985, right? Can you kick it? Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. Right? So you didn't have stop, stop signs for, like, five years there. It's kind of dangerous, right? Seatbelt usage was in the 1930s, right? Remember, 1890. The first state law requiring a seatbelt was 1984, like 100 years later. And every state in the U.S. has them, except for New Hampshire, because live free or die, right? Um, <laughs> something, something about New Hampshire. But, uh, but what, what's incredible is it took 100 years, 100 years, and now you walk outside, and what happened? The entire world is operating around roads and cars, because they're extremely dangerous. What had to happen? What had to happen for us to wake up? There was a ton of collateral damage, is what happened, along the way. And sadly, with technology, we're the generation of the Carbonos. That's where we are. It's just a reality. So, I, there's an organization you keep seeing in the corner here, TAG, that um, I, I had approached to, to help out with some things in Atlanta, and found out that I'd become a speaker because I knew too much about this stuff. Um, and it was incredible, because I went to them to like filter my devices, because I was like, for, forget like pornography, um, which I also, I, I'm on, on a lot of stuff that I, I see stuff all, all the time that I don't want to see, so I wanted a way to like really control for that. And it was unbelievable. All the technology I knew, they knew more than I did because they were getting all the shilas of people who wanted to like block things but still have access to what they needed. So they actually helped me a ton. I, I'm, I have a lot of across the top, so I wanted to mention that. Um, 
because they, they just know better than anybody else what we're facing as a Jewish people, because uh, they, they're the ones in America. They're trying to break in here. Um, I just spoke in Ramat Shemesh, and hopefully we'll do a lot more great work. But there are three kind of tactics you can do. Reduce the incoming stimuli, create a space between the barrage of stimuli and our response, and then clarify your priorities. That third one's the most important, and I'll talk about it in a second, but let's start with this one. Um, Nobody thinks that's funny. It's such a funny joke. Okay. Reducing stimuli. You can reduce your phone usage before bed. If, if you don't want this thing to control you, then don't start and end your day on it. Like, that is so obvious, but we all do it, including myself sometimes. It's out of my bedroom, though. In our house, there's no, the phones, when I walk in the house, goes in one space. It's connected to the wall, so that it's always charged, so I can use it. But um, no, it, like we don't we don't walk around. We don't have it in bedrooms. That is not where the phone goes. Um, albeit, my wife's a diabetic, so she does have her phone on her. But she actually has a second phone that she uses for work that has all the stuff, and then that phone is is controlled. And we spend money on that because it's worth it. Because I know the dangers, right? Create phone-free or designated phone spaces in your house. That's what I just talked about. Phone-free times. That isn't just Shabbos. Hopefully it's Shabbos. They actually did another survey in a school, and they found that 70% of the kids self-acknowledged that they break Shabbos to get on the phone because it was like a tiniest debor for them not to be involved in phone usage on Shabbos. And one of the teachers came up to the person that did the survey and was upset. And she asked, she said, this is so wrong. Why? Because it's higher than 70%. That's what she said. It's a massive, massive issue. We don't know how to function. And the younger generations than you are operating in a world you don't... I don't even know what you're going through, and you have no idea what they're going through. It's in a completely different world than we, we grew up in. So turning off your notifications is an amazing way, because then it can't ping you. Grayscaling your phone to get rid of the, the, the color, which you can turn on and off as needed, is also a great way. It's annoying. All of these things are going to be annoying, but the annoyance is what wakes you up. So if you're like, oh, this is too annoying, then the whole, you miss the point. The annoying is the thing that makes you not get sucked in. I'm trying to make it that you're never annoyed. So I make it so easy to use. But if you're annoyed, then you'll at least think for one second, and then you have a chance. You can co-marie your phone, meaning get rid of all the junk that you're wasting your time on. Um, and then there's an amazing filters and apps. Fine, we're going to keep moving. Some of these are my favorites. Nudge is great because it uses these things against you. If you go to sites more often, then there's a thing that blocks the site and makes you like play a game to like open it back up. It's super annoying. And the more you go to the site, the more annoying the game gets. It's like it's exactly what we use, but back against the internet. So I use it myself. It's like it's an amazing wake up because like if you if it keeps getting harder, then like I'm like okay, forget it. I don't want to check YouTube. Whatever. Leave me alone. It's like really what goes on in my head. I'm very self-aware, very self-aware. So WizMage is great, it blocks all the images temporarily. This is what I use during work, so I don't see any images. People think I'm really weird at work. Um, I don't care, right? Nobody is gonna judge me for it. Um, and a lot of people respect the thing that I'm not looking at everything. But then if I need to see an image, I can, I can open it up. Um, but it's, that's not good for families because they, they, they momish for their kids and they need to block more. So TechBlock is an incredible, unbelievable. They have a system where you can request access to any page on the internet and like they, they respond within 60 seconds to two minutes. I was using it for a very long time on most of my devices um, and, and we, right now we are using something else because it blocked like the work that I'm doing so I can problem it. But there's, there's a ton, ton of options and it's like the technology on this side is getting just, just as good. 
all the solutions, we talked about this, it's more than just protection from pornography. It's a wake-up trigger. The solution is the, the, the opposite trigger. What you have to ask yourself is, what do I want to do with life? And if you have the humility and the self-awareness to do something, to move, then you can start this process. You can start the process. So, oh, there's something I wanted to say about this. So the Kutzker Rebbe once said um, on... Um, Sorry, give me one second. In the Mishnah and Perkyavos, it talks about the cure for honor is to run from it, right? We, and it says if you run from honor, then it'll come to you. So some people think like, oh great, I'll run from honor and then I'll get it finally, right? The Hutzker Rebbe says no. Honor is bad. You don't want honor. If you run from it, it's actually going to get you. If you run from it, you're constantly looking over your shoulder looking for it to come and catch you because you want the honor. Running from it is not the solution. The real cure is to become completely oblivious to it. The real cure is to run to something else. Right? Um, I think I was talking about this by, by Yaakov Avinu. Um, that when, when he was running away from Esau, that um, all of a sudden the angel attacked him. And then what did he do? He went back to Davin, um, right? He went back. Because at first he was running away from Esau. So then Esau's angel got him because he was running away. The focus was on Esau. But when he was running to something, to Davin, then all of a sudden he was free to do that. That's what we need to do. You're not running away from the technology problem. You need to find what you're running towards. And if you don't have something you're running towards, you will find your face in that phone every time. Every time. Because that's what we rely on. So, this is a model for change. Think about these four areas. Space, the technology limiting rules by space, where you are. Where are you going to limit your technology use in the base medrash and other places? What are you turning off? Whether the thing's with you or not, what are you turning off in those spaces? The times that you use these things, the technology controlling itself that you can apply, and then yourself, your behavior and thoughts that you're going to choose actively so that that thing doesn't hijack it, right? That I don't come in and get you to do stuff. This is all about what you want in life. Do you want to be, do you want to know, if you don't speak Hebrew, do you want to learn Hebrew? You could do that here, right? If you want to be amazing at basketball, you could be practicing that. If you want to have career skills, use your free time for that, right? Or you could get better at Fortnite, like whatever you want. You could do chesed in the community. You have Eretz Yisrael, needs your help all the time. There's so much opportunity here. It's amazing. So it says in L'chad uh, so Friday night, I'll give you one more thought. When you uh, start your Shabbos, and you do, hopefully, you, everybody's breaking free from everything, and their mind's off the technology and the nonsense, right? So when you read, right? wake up, shine your unique light. Because Hashem's glory, it rests on you. That's where Hashem will come into the world, is through you. Rabbi Kagan talks in the second book on, Ex- on Exodus, he talks about how we're like the moon. And the moon waxes and wanes. And what does it reflect? It reflects the sun. We have the opportunity to be completely covered up and not reflect any light or reflect at all. So it's up to you. Okay.
Do you have time? Two questions? Yes. Oh, there's three hands. Yeah, hands? How do you sleep at night? Oh. So I'll tell you, actually. It's a good question, even though I gave it to you. How do I sleep at night? Um, so we saw what happened with Facebook. This will be a quick answer. Um, we saw what happened with Facebook. It was a gradual change, and everybody shared all of their data with it. Totally fine getting on there and, and like opting into everything, because it happened really slowly. So this is a really messed up answer. I don't know if you'll like me more for this. But I actually believe it needs to be sped up. If I wasn't involved, it would happen anyway. This train has left the station. It's happening. I believe in getting it done as fast as possible, learning as much as I can about it, and, and, and letting everybody know what we're doing. Um, and I'm going to do my best to do that. Because if you shock the system, if you make it happen really quick, all of a sudden people wake up, and you're seeing that now, right? If all of a sudden you know you're doing this stuff, so now it's like you're a little bit more self-aware, you might do something about it. But when it's all in the background, everybody's like, I'll sign up for whatever, terms and conditions. That's the answer. Yes? Yeah? Yeah, so they're called CDPs, they're customer data platform, and it's basically instead of using your device as the identifier, we use you as a human being so that no matter what device you're on, I can still catch you back in. And I can buy all of your data from third parties and put it in that system. So no matter who you are, if you have a credit card, if you have a phone, if, even if you're offline, I can figure it out and, and I can send you a piece of mail. I actually, the other day I was, uh, I went to a website and within seven days they had sent me a direct mail piece because I had visited the website once. So to the future. Thank you very much.